This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to Shareable. My name is Jeff Gibbard. As you know, I'm your host. And today I have Leslie M. as my guest. And I want to prepare if you have any little ones around or you're listening to this, both Leslie and I do have a bit of a potty mouth. So I'm guessing that this is going to be an explicit episode because sometimes you emphatically need to say what you need to say. Leslie, welcome to Shareable. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Tell people who you are and what you do. My name, as you know, is Leslie M. And I am an entrepreneur. I'm a swagger coach, a speaker, and author of the soon-to-be-released book. I'm so freaking excited called Swagger Unleash Everything You Are and Become Everything You Want. That's me. Awesome. And I am such a huge fan of swagger and I'm such a huge fan of your work, everything that I know about it. And we're, we're only recently introduced, but run in similar circles of amazing people. Uh, I think everything you're doing is like super amazing. So let's talk about swagger specifically. You have a slightly different definition of that than I think what some people tend to use it. Like when, when I first heard the word swagger, like what comes to mind is like a kind of a cocky brash in your face. Like, Oh, I got that swagger. Right. You're not talking about that. You're talking about something different that's a little more near and dear to my heart. So what's swagger mean to you? My definition of swagger is the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for it, regardless of situation or environment. So you are the same person, no matter who you're with, no matter what's happening around you, no matter the challenges, no matter what kind of power play someone's making, all of that stuff, you are just one face, one you, one heart totally authentic. And I'd imagine by the way that you've described that, that this would require something that's particularly uncommon, something that I would characterize as maybe like radical self-acceptance because the it's scary, the idea to be oneself, right? I think that's something that people just genuinely struggle with. And, um, and you clearly live out loud the way you are, you do your thing. Uh, I share that. I rock my comic book t-shirts every single day and just love to do my thing. How how do you talk people through this whole idea when there's so much natural resistance to even being ourselves some of the time, let alone like all of the time? Yeah, I, I, first of all, it breaks my heart. That's the thing that I, I've encountered. It's what inspired me to write the book and it's kind of the foundation for all the work that I do. It blows my mind that I, I've met thousands and thousands of people. I mean, it doesn't matter the culture, the country, the company, the status, the level, it does not matter people somehow do not believe that who they really are is enough to bring them success, like the success that they've been dreaming of, or they don't think that people are going to accept who they really are. And this is freaking heartbreaking because who we are is what makes us unique and special and noteworthy. Otherwise, we're just kind of assimilating into the Borg. And if we're assimilating into the Borg, then there's not much to hate on, but there's also not so much to love on. And in the wise words of my mother, she said, I'd rather somebody hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not, you know? And I, I, I do, I, it's funny because I, I understand it and I empathize with it. I just don't see the logic 
in, in that kind of belief. Because if you think about the amount of energy it, that is required for you to put on that force field, a fake bullshit persona and carry that around with you all the time, it is exhausting. And then if the world thinks that you're awesome, it's not you that they're thinking is awesome. It's this, this bullshit avatar that you've created. So yes, no risk, no reward. I, can, I get it. But also, you know, as we're, the real us gets trapped in the middle of kind of the center of our being. And that's where it gets stuck and paralyzed. And yeah, nothing may get in, you know, all that hurt that the world is going to throw at you might not get in, but you know what? Nothing gets out either. It's a two-way pipe. So if you, if you want to be trapped and you think that that's safer for you, then you're going to live a life a quarter lived. You can't even live large, you know? And yeah. I think that, that sometimes it comes with a little bit of age, you know, where people go, fuck this. I'm tired of being trapped. I just want to speak my truth and stuff. But I find that um, once, you know, in the work that I've done, when you just start to help people to be seen a little bit and you give them the validation that they've been, you know, starving for and you remind them and you show them how much power they have and you do it little by little, they start to, to want to face down the rest of those swagger blockers. Because there's a whole bunch of blockers. I'm not, I'm, this is not an easy gig, this whole discovering your swagger. But once you discover it, you have it forever. I mean, it's going to ebb and flow. You're going to have good days and bad days, but you can never put baby back in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I love, first of all, I love your energy. I appreciate your, your just how, so some guests, will come in and they will set up a small meal. You just set the table for a feast. There's so much to dive into here. There's, you know, what you even define as success is like a whole topic we could go into. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's so much about this whole concept of honesty, like presenting yourself honestly and, and who you are. And then if people like you, then they're at least liking you for who you really are. They're appreciating it. And you kind of uh, set the stage for why there's so much imposter syndrome, people walking around with masks and they're like, oh, but the, the person that they think I am is not even who I really am. So there's just so much for us to explore here. I want to start with the success thing because I think that that's such an interesting thing to think about. Like people behave in certain ways because they think that it'll bring them the success. And you've said, you know, you can be yourself and, and have success. I think what that requires is actually to, first of all, define what you mean by success. And I, I, I'm of the assumption you and I have fairly similar or at least overlapping definitions of what success means. So when you coach people and you're talking about being yourself so that you can point yourself in a direction to have the success that you're looking for. What do you even mean when you say that word? What does that word mean to you? Well, to me, my personal, and again, everybody's definition is, is different. I don't want to hate on anybody's definition. I think sometimes we need to check ourselves to, to assess whether the things that we imagine are going to bring us happiness and joy are really the things that are going to bring us happiness and joy, or we, we've been sucked into some bullshit paradigm. I mean, that's, that's part of everybody's journey. But for me, the thing that defines success is uh, the contribution to the collective. That's what I care about. We, we you know, the, the, I knew you and I share this, uh, this sort of mandate about doing legacy work, you know, doing the work that is going to last way beyond the days that we're on this earth, because we can go at any time. And I don't want to, I don't want to be waiting for this thing called success. I want to go after it. Like, you know, if the table is set, give me a gigantic big ass fork, because I'm going to eat it up. Because what I understand about myself, because I, I have explored my authenticity big time. And what I know about myself is that 
I have been given the gift of being able to to inspire people and motivate them and and help them to be brave in in their journey. That's a responsibility. So for me, success is is when I am in my place of purpose and doing my thing. And what I have learned is that when you do that, it doesn't matter if you're in a corporate gig, if it's startup, if you're you know, in a, in a service-oriented role or job, it does not matter. When you believe that you are contributing to the collective and you are doing it with, with realness, you are successful in my book and money will come. I promise you, if that's how you define your success, if you step into that shit, money will come. Again, so many different directions to, to take, but I have to know where this came from in you. Like, how did it start? So so I'm 100% aligned in so much of this, right? So at 13, I was going through like a little depressive phase. I saw a dead poet society. It shook me up. I was like, carpe diem, baby. And it was like my life motto from there on out. And I really believe that like, you know, you only get one shot at this. So you might as well make the best of it and leave yeah. something behind. This uh, is not and, a rehearsal. This is yeah. not a rehearsal, this and, life. And, and like it became, you know, for me, it became manifest like really, really very in a very real way uh, because uh, on my last day of high school, my mom got into a tragic car accident and oh. that uh, that forever shaped her life in a different way. It changed, you know, traumatic brain injury, different things. It shaped my life. And it really reinforced this idea that like you never know when it's your day, right? Like you never know when the end is happening. And for me, that that really is like a, a giant big stamp on the idea of purpose, right? So that's where like my stuff came from in like a 60 second version. I don't think everybody has this perspective. I give a lot of pep talks to people where I'm like reminding them that like there, this isn't a dress rehearsal. Like you, mm-hmm. you like, what do you want to do? What? So this and is, what are you waiting for? What yeah, are you waiting where, where's for? Where's the permission going to come from? Yes. So, so yes. the, the question is, I think, you know, I know where my story kind of pivoted and where this kind of came from parents are a lot of it, but like, what about you? How did you develop this mindset? Because you can't really fake this. It's something that you feel deep in your soul that you have to, you have to leave something behind. You have to change something. You have to make your impact. You have to be in service of others. And it's not something you can really fake for very long before you're found out as a sociopath. So Mm -hmm. so where's your thing come from? Well, I mean, I'm very, I understand that I'm incredibly fortunate to have had parents who were entrepreneurs from the jump. Um, my father was a Holocaust survivor. He, that, that comes with a particular mindset about carpe diem big time. And um, my mother is the child of immigrants. You know, we have that whole kind of story, but I was raised by parents who said, do you boo? I was, I never fit the mold. I was, I was always precocious and super bright and hyper and all of the things that are difficult to manage as a kid for sure. Um, But I was also creative and, and I was a dreamer and, and both my sister and I, my sister also was, is very successful in media and so on and so forth. And when, from the time that we were little, my mother used to say to us, why not you? And it was, so, it was the most provocative question because she would wait for the answer. Anytime we wanted something and we had a dream and we said, I wish I could be on TV like other people, or I want to be a singer. I mean, I was like, a, a, you know, singing was my first career. And I used to sing around the house with my hairbrush and everything. And I would dream and she would say, well, why not you? Someone's got to do that cool thing. Someone's got to have that opportunity. Why not you? And she never made me feel ashamed for wanting to dream big or, or, Um, to step into stuff. I also 
always felt deeply for the underdog. That's just my nature. I love people. I am a people lover. And if I ever saw anyone being taken advantage of or anything that was unjust or anyone being bullied, I will fuck you up. I have no like, you know, there's a reason that I that I'm tough, because I that is unacceptable in in my book. So I was always a champion for, um, for people's voices and, and their 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 rights to be who they were and to be authentic and stuff. So I, I kind of grew up in a land of, of lost toys and freaks. And that was my place. And I surrounded myself with those people. And I just lived a life where I took every opportunity that came to me. And I, let me tell you, there, I, you could not have written the book of my crazy weird life and all the, the twists and turns it's taken and all the things that I've done. So I, I know how fortunate I was to have that because I've discovered that, that some of the biggest swagger haters that we can have in our lives are the people who are closest to us. And the message that they send to us inadvertently, even if they love us, even if they're trying to protect us is, no, you know, that stuff is not for people like us. Or, you know, stay within your realm of possibility or don't take risks. Or, you know, I don't know if you're really smart enough for that. Or, you know, all of those things that yep. that the people around us will say, and they don't mean to break us down, but that shit sticks. And those are the stories we're, we're still telling ourselves when we're 25, 35, 45, 55. Because I talk to people who are still that big voice in their head, that inner saboteur is saying shit that, wasn't even true then, but that someone important to them said at, at the time. Okay. We are like cosmically brother and sister for sure. Because like, <laughs> I'm so down with that. <laughs> no, like absolutely. Like I'm a hundred percent behind all that. I was actually just having a conversation with someone recently. She was talking about how, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can say that sort of thing. And I was like, but why not? Like you, mm -hmm. you know, that it can be said, why can you not say it? Like, yeah. why can you not step into that situation and be confident? There's only one of you, right? I have these conversations all of the time. And so much of the conversations that I have are to try and break people of the mold that there's something holding them back. It's like the opposite side of permission. Like you're waiting for permission for it. But like at the same time, like who's telling you that you can't outside of you, right? Mm -hmm. so in your work, I, I know that you, you know, you're on stage in pre-pandemic days and now probably via Zoom you know, helping people to see their own swagger, but you, you brought up kind of an interesting point about the environments that we live in and the sort of the dampening that maybe people inadvertently put on the swagger of others. How much of your work talks about people's impact on other people's swagger, like the leadership you could show and showing swagger to others? Yeah, I, I do more and more and more of that. I mean, it's so interesting that, that um, everybody thinks that other people have the thing that they want, right? And then when I do work with CEOs and SVPs and VPs, and I discover, no, just like everybody else, they're shit scared of being found out for you know suffering from the imposter syndrome or feeling like they have to put on this big front. And very often with leaders, that front is, my team needs me to look strong. And I keep saying to them, dudes or ladies or who, you know, what doesn't make sense to me is that when you look out across your career, who were the people that you respected the most, that that um, that mentored you, that you trusted, that you wanted to emulate? I'm going to guess they were people who you felt like were the most real, were what you saw was what you got, who 
who were, who, you know, just kept it real with you, were able to speak directly, brought it down to, to the level that you were at and all that kind of stuff. So what makes you think that you shouldn't and couldn't be that and do that for your, for your people? But so when they kind of figure out that, um, that their lack of ability to embrace their own swagger is reflecting on everybody else, because we model what we see. You know, if we have a leader who is willing to speak their truth, and I want to talk more about truth after, because I don't want yeah. people to think that we're talking around, talking about running around with your, you know, hair on fire screaming, I must puke my truth on you. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, once they, once they realize that they are a model for that and that their behavior is creating the environment for other people, uh, they start to see that paradigm differently. It's like, look, even if you don't have the courage for yourself, to embrace who you really are, do it for the people around you because they deserve to see you doing it and struggling and being honest about your struggle so that they can become more comfortable with their own struggle. I mean, this is, we're talking about psychological safety across the board. Oh, and the other, the other thing that I argue with them is I say, look, if you take yourself as an example and you think about all the things you don't say and the things that you hold back and all the reasons you hold those things back, imagine the percentage of additional productivity, innovation, creativity, progression you could get out of your people if they actually could speak their truth. Just think about it in terms of like hard fucking dollars and, and productivity and, and progress. Like you think about how many ideas are left with uh, left unsaid because people don't feel comfortable to share their ideas in a business environment. And I guarantee you in all of those ideas, there are that 20% of those are multi-million dollar ideas, but they don't get said because people don't feel safe. The funny thing about it is like, and I, I, I'm so down with what you're saying there because my perception of things is that um, there is a prevailing idea out there that um, like this whole hierarchical way of thinking and the command and control and all those different things and like people have to be held accountable and like this this very rigid and and sort of like, authoritarian way of doing things like that for like somehow that came to be that that's effective. And yet I think if we we're just to ask any random sane person, common sense, like, do you think people are more productive when they're happy at work? They'd be like, well, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and so, not only are they going to be more productive and then would you, and then you take the second question, if people are more productive, is the company more profitable and better off? Well, yeah. So then like, it seems pretty obvious to me that when you create environments of safety where people feel free and they're happier at work be, and kind of to your point, if, if you say what needs to be said and you're vulnerable and you create a culture where other people can feel the same, then they feel free. They feel expressed. They feel more comfortable. They feel less guarded. They feel more safe and they feel probably happier at work. And likewise, they're, or, or, or consequently, they're likely to be more productive, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so many business cases for this. And, and I am not by any means like a hard nosed business guy growth at any cost thing. Like I, I serve my clients and I want to help them all grow. But for me, I'm about the people. Like I want, I want to do them both at the same time, but, but I definitely never want my clients to grow at the expense of the people, right? It's always the people. Well, you can't, best. this is the thing is that, that we, you take any industry, techno, take technology, you know, when people talk about technology, you know, we're building, and I go, okay, well, let's so slow down. Okay. So who's building the technology people? Who's using the technology people? Who's managing the technology people who's driving it who's selling it who's a people 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 so whenever they have problems i point out to them that you have a people problem it's always going to get reduced to a people 
problem. And I think what happens when it, when it comes to senior executives, in my experience, they just, and again, I say this with all compassion and empathy, they just get progressively disconnected from what it felt like to be that that woman sitting, you know, in a cubicle, working her ass off and trying to figure out how to navigate, negotiate a challenging and unsafe world. And, and there they are sitting now at, at a level where they're, they're accountable to a board of directors and they're accountable to the, to, you know, all of these higher powers. And they're under so much pressure that they feel that they have to, they have to become something that is not, they can't give in to being who they are because the whole thing could fall apart. If they were really real, they might cry. If they were, they would go into the bathroom and cry from the stress or from the thing, whatever, and they could never do that. Listen, I, in my book, I have a story about a CEO who cried in front of his team and then cried on stage in, in front of his global team and how it changed his whole, his whole sort of, you know, trajectory to change everything, it changed everything about the way that he led and how people saw him. It is like, it's vulnerability in, in leadership is one of the, the things that people think is the worst thing that can happen. You know, I need to be strong for my team and they think they're doing it for the right reasons, but, but they're, they're misled. You know, and it's just, they're just misled. Strength? Is that actually strength if you can't show your vulnerability? I, I saw a quote by Brene Brown earlier today that I'm going to butcher, but there was something along the lines of like, you know, um, we should respect the people, uh, respect the brokenhearted because they had the courage to love in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. So like this idea that like, if you're guarded the whole time, how strong are you really? The, the strength comes from being able to show that you're vulnerable and you still get up and kick, kick ass and take names. Yeah, but you know, the thing that we're forgetting here is the fact that we are tribal beings and, and tribes or pack mentality. I mean, you know, in the pack, if you show vulnerability, if the pack gets hungry, you're the first one who gets eaten. You know, like if you're that, the thing too is too much. Well, you know, I mean, the the we are are conditioned through everything, everything to be subservient to power, to what we perceive to be power, and we are taught to kind of suck it up, Buttercup. That's the thing. Suck it up. Keep moving forward. All that hustle porn that's out there now is saying the same same shit to us. I know you just rolled your eyes. I oh. my mind rolled back. It makes me yeah. makes me sick to my stomach. Oh, God. All it's of the messages that we that we that we have about go go at all costs. You know, never let them see you sweat, weakness, whatever. Listen, I when the the struggles that I faced over you know my multiple crazy career life. There have been so many times that I've been curled up in a ball weeping and trying to figure out my way through. And I tell you, I learned more about myself and more about the business and more about the people that I was trying to serve in those moments than I ever did about walking around like I was a badass. You know, it is not it. People would never would never believe me if I if I didn't talk equally about my shit and about where where I'm massively vulnerable. I'm like a walking, you know, open wound because my heart is so big. I mean, you could hurt me with a word, but it's what I choose to do with that hurt that matters. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why emotions have become such a taboo at, at work. Um, Leanne, I don't know if you know Leanne Davy. Do you know yeah, Leanne the Davey? good fight, right? Yeah, so Leanne Davy is an expert on on kind of the emotional paradigms of work and, and how to manage emotions. And she says such incredibly smart stuff about uh, um, why why emotions are so crucial for any workplace because where you got people, 
You got emotions. Yep. That's just the reality of what it is. And there's no better way to learn about the values of the people around you, the people who you who work for you or with you or above you, than taking a deep look at what the emotional state of things, because people react and people are emotional when their values are poked and their values are injured. And so um, uh, emotions can be such a great kind of meter for what's happening in the organization and who we're working with and who we're dealing with. And if we're afraid of them and we, and we expect people to not have them, and it's a fucking pressure cooker because that shit's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Human beings, it's got to go somewhere. How much of, so your work, it touches on so many different things. How much of the discussion around swagger do you think is rooted in culture versus evolution versus, um, you know, uh, I guess the individual and their hangups, like, you know, the, the challenge of getting people to accept themselves and take some agency over where they want to go in their life and, and give them the permission that they can do those things. It's, it's a tall task. Mm -hmm. How, where do you think that it's coming from? Like how, what are the forces I guess that you feel like you're up against as you're trying to encourage people to do this thing that comes more naturally uh, to you or that, or that you have kind of seen with more sober eyes? W what do you feel like you're up against and what's the difficulty out of all of those, like, what's the thing that you find the most challenging? Well, I, I identified, I, I created this, this concentric circles model to help people walk through this idea of swagger and, and, and what I refer to as swagger blockers. And they are a combination of sort of the external forces that we allow to impact us and the internal forces. So it's a little bit of both. So yep. you, want me, you want me to take you through the-, the Yeah, absolutely. Are you gonna okay. give the graphic away or anything? By the way, when's your book come out? Oh, my book comes out May 10th. Cool. Yeah. Six so it's, after it's my all daughter's birthday, eight after. Yes. Right. Rock. All the May babies. I'm a May baby yeah. as well. This comes out just after my birthday. When's your I'm birthday? A May, on May 7th. Oh, rocking. Look at it. Yeah, it's the Taurus thing. That Taurus love, the Taurus <laughs> oozing, gushing love. It's the full thing. All right. So, sorry. I totally interrupted. Okay. Graphic. Tell me about I'm it. I'm going to give you, so it's really easy to follow. I wanted to make it really easy to follow. So let's imagine that, uh, that the real you is stuck in a little, a little ball, a little circle right in the middle of you. Okay. And you've got five concentric kind of rings that separate you from the world and the world ultimately from you. So we're going to take it from the outside ring in because the outside ring is the one that faces and touches people most. And that's persona. I'm drawing this right now, by the way. So you draw it right now. You can, yeah, you, you can hold it up for me and I can give yeah. you a thumbs up. So the, the outer ring, we have persona. Persona is that is that belief that you've got to show up a certain way. You got to walk a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way and dress a certain way in order for people to take you seriously, in order for people to accept you into the tribe. Okay. And this has gotten very little to do with what you think it's based on what you think other people think are supposed to do. You look around and you say, everybody else is doing this. This clearly is the, the mode of the tribe. So I'm going to have to put on that coat every morning and put that mask on every morning. And this is the way I'm going to show up. Okay. So why do we do that? This persona thing, why do we buy into this bullshit? Well, the next um, ring in is ambition. And don't get me wrong. I am not a hater for ambition in any way, shape, or form. I'm all about ambition, but I want to reframe ambition for a second. When we, especially when we work in the, the business slash corporate world, ambition kind of forces us to look up. So we're fixating on what's the next thing 
uh, next opportunity, what's the next rung of the ladder? So we're like always looking upwards. And when we fixate upwards, we, we don't focus enough on ourselves or to, on our colleagues to the left and right of us, or most importantly to our followers, the people who are looking to us um, to, to lead them. And when we take our eyes off that internal, you know, um, to our peers and to our people, we, we run the risk of becoming an asshole. And we're no longer focusing on being in our place of excellence and being in our place of, of service. We're focusing on, on ourselves and our game only. So my reframe for that is, Think about being in your place of excellence. If you're in your place of excellence, the people to your left and right and that your followers, they're gonna lift you to the next level. You don't, you don't have to climb, you don't have to focus, focus so much because now when people say, well, who should get that role? Everybody chimes in and goes, it's Jeff, man. Jeff should get that role, we fucking love Jeff. We love working with Jeff, he's amazing, he's yes, right? So now you have um, ambition reinforcing persona because ambition says if i don't do these things in this in these ways i'm not going to have the credibility and thus i'm not going to get the opportunities okay can i so, let me just say one thing about this real quick sorry yeah. to interrupt you because i thought of it earlier and actually i think it now fits better here you were talking about people elevating from one role to the next and then they have all their fears and other things i think another thing is so many people go through a terrible experience going from one ring to the next that they believe the person that comes after them should have to suffer the same slings and arrows and they should have to pay their dues and all that instead of thinking i'm now here I can change that horrible situation I was in. So it's interesting as you talked about looking at the people left and the right of you and the people that are following you that now that you're in that role, if you want to actually have those people lift you up, you have to not make them go through the same crap that you did. You actually yeah. have to use your position and privilege and power to make things better. Yeah. So interesting, yeah. interesting point that I, I like the way this is shaping up. All right, totally what's circle three? Okay, circle three is insecurity. Insecurity is all the what ifs. What if I don't dress a certain way or talk a certain way? What if I don't get that next role? What if people don't take me seriously? What if I don't look it in front of other people? What if I don't sound smart in that meeting? What if, what if, what if? And there is never an answer. It's just like the fucking podcast from hell that just keeps playing in your brain. And, and because the brain is so wired for certainty, if we don't have certainty, we will torture ourselves and turn ourselves inside out. That's where the imposter syndrome lives, is, is it mostly in this, in this ring, because there is no answer to it. So you'll get stuck if you what if everything and you're not willing to take risks to answer the question or to be defined with, it, with your answers, you're going to get stuck forever. So now you got insecurity reinforcing ambition, which reinforces persona. Next layer in is fear. Fear is the end of the what if. Fear is the what if I don't show up a certain way? <gasps> bad things will happen. <laughs> you know, it always ends with bad things will happen. Because again, that uncertainty parts of, part of our brain would rather err on the side of caution, which is saying bad shit's going to happen. I better prepare as opposed to, no, 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 good things could happen. Anything could happen. This could be amazing. The brain will tell us that bad things are going to happen. And I, I play this little game with people when they're catastrophizing, you know, when they're imagining they have to go into this meeting and they're so overwhelmed and they're freaked out about what's going to happen. And they go, okay, talk me through what you imagine happening, but take it like minute by minute. The game's called, and then what? So they go, I walk into the room and then what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and inevitably at the end of the story, they're homeless on the street. 
That's how they end the story. And I go, okay, but, but, but at what point did this cease to be realistic? And that point is usually uh, my boss gives me the side eye or they tell me that I wasn't prepared enough for the meeting or whatever. You know, it's like, that's the worst thing that can happen. So, but fear is the thing that's going to try and tell you the bad things are going to happen. So you don't do stupid shit like jumping off a building, except the brain cannot, cannot um, differentiate between jumping off a building fear and going into a meeting fear. Okay. So now you have fear reinforcing insecurity, reinforcing ambition, reinforcing persona. And the last one in is the biggest, baddest wolf of all. It is the castle gates. It is the scar tissue. It is pain. Because pain is proof. Pain says, oh, I tried that one time. That did not go well. And it hurt like a bitch. And I am never doing that again. Right? Because once we've experienced pain, we have a reminder. That's the proof. That's the thing that we're the most afraid of happening is that end game thing of, you know, I, and I'm, it's going to hurt or I'm going to feel bad or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be scarred for life and all of those, those things. Now, again, Pain is just memory. That's all it is. Because if you're still standing, the pain didn't kill you. So it, all it is is memory. It's scar tissue. But to, to our internal system, it's the worst thing ever. I mean, we spend our whole lives moving away from pain and ideally towards pleasure. So we'll do anything to avoid pain. And where does the real us live? Behind pain. So here we are in the middle of those concentric circles. Okay, and every time we want to drive our swagger out into the world, and by the way, the swagger drivers are truth, intention, and self-belief. So that's what's going to carry our swagger out into the world. But every time we try and speak that truth and act with intention and believe in ourselves, it's like running one of those American ninja style gauntlets, you know, where the things are coming at you left and they're knocking you off the thing, water splashing, and you have to climb over pain and dig underneath fear and like swim through insecurity and so on and so on. And by the time that truth gets out into the world, it's had the shit kicked out of it. So it, what, what is a roar on the inside becomes this little squeak on the outside. And then, and then let's say that little squeak gets validation. Someone says, Jeff, that truth was epic. It's a beautiful thing. You're a fucking rock star. You go, wow, thanks a lot. And then that validation has to try and make its way back through all of the swagger blockers in order to actually fill you up and, and, and help to reassure you. And it gets the same shit kicking on the way in as it did out. So what happens is now you go, I, I wonder if that person really meant it. I wonder if that they actually were speaking the truth. Maybe they were just saying it to kind of look good in front of other people. Like maybe, maybe I should, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Oh my God, why do I do this every time? I'm such an idiot. Why did I even say that? And so the paradigm exists. So that's, that's the trap that we live in. The key is, first of all, to recognize that this shit is happening. And then to learn where you get stuck primarily, and it may be through all of them, and start working on them one by one, break it down, bite-sized chunks, little tiny, little tiny moments, like on the swagger moments, you know, you do something that's brave, you get validation, you celebrate the shit out of it and let it fill you up and all of those, those things. And I have exercises in the, across the whole book because I'm not a, just a talker. I'm yeah. like, I come from a training background. I'm like, let's, let's get real. Let's get this shit done, you know? 
Um, and then it, over time, what happens is that those, those blockers start to kind of dilute and they kind of compress and they become porous. They're always there because that's human nature. We, we all experience doubt. We all experience you know, ambition. We all kind of get uncomfortable in a room. We all, all of those things, but, but they shouldn't be able to block us. They should be little checks and balances along the way, little reminders, little hiccups, but they should not stop us from being who we are. That was this a very long explanation. Good, no, it's such a good model though, because as you're going through it, I, like I'm, because I'm going through it in real time with you, I'm looking at these circles unfolding, which by the way, like, tell me how I did on my drawing. How did I do? How'd I do? Oh yeah, yeah. Right, sweet, sweet. So as I'm going through it though, I'm thinking to myself, each and every one of these things are absolutely walls that get put up and stop people. And I can see how they could even happen in this exact uh, sequence where like you, you remember the pain, which causes you to be fearful and insecure. And, and maybe you, you try to ignore, ignore all of that and your ambition pushes you, but because it's rooted in these, this insecurity and fear and pain, you don't actually embrace the people around you. And then you put on a face of the persona you think you should be. And that's why we get these tyrant people, right? But mm -hmm. I also look at this and I think each and every one of these is an opportunity for you mm. to be a better person, right? So like the pain that you experience are the lessons that you can look at and that can make you a better person that can make you not want other people to go through that pain, make you more empathetic and compassion. The fear is the thing that you can confront to make yourself more resilient, to make yourself more courageous. Like all of these things. Keep going, are, keep going. I love this. Uh, so like the, the insecurity, <laughs> for instance, like that's, that's mental fortitude of being able to recognize when something is clearly just a story in your head, when you were going through, uh, I think it was on the fear point you were making, uh, Tim Ferriss has talked about this concept of like ne the power of negative thinking before. And it's an exercise I've gone through. And I actually wrote a book from somebody a while ago that said, when you're trying to think of something and you get stuck, like think of the inverse, like how would you not do it and then flip it, right? So the idea of the power of negative thinking, the, the exact story that you told during the fear was literally my story. So started my own company back in 2011 and sometime around 2015, 2016, I had had four or five years of, I'm going to be homeless any minute now. I, all of my clients are going to leave. They're going to find out I'm not smart. They're going to, everyone hates me. And like, I'm working so hard and I just can't get ahead. And this is all for nothing. I'm going to be homeless. And I remember having breakfast with a friend of mine and she said, Jeff, you're never going to be homeless. Think about the size network you have. Like, do you really think that I wouldn't let you just sleep on my couch until you got yourself situated? Like, are you serious? And that was the first moment where I recognized that that entire story that I had made up is just complete nonsense. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, we are, we are the stories we tell ourselves. We are exactly. all the fucking, we have the choice to craft that narrative. And if, until you interrupt the narrative and you replace it with something else, that's it. That's all you've got. That's the story you're telling yourself. Why shouldn't you think that and believe that? It's, but it's, but some, something needs to happen to wake you up and make you go, wait a second, I can tell myself, you know, I always say, we are not our history. We are the stories we tell ourselves. And for people who've had it rough and who've come up against all odds and who've faced down a lot of shit, that they don't have to carry that. They can turn it into whatever they want and use it as that power base and, and remind themselves that they're gonna be okay. You know, I mean, you can sleep on my couch anytime. Right now, you don't need to sleep on anybody's couch. Just say it. Thankfully. But, you know, but if the world should fall apart and Jeff Gibbard needs a place to sleep, dude, you don't just get a couch. I give you the nice fold-out bed, the fancy-schmancy ah, fold-out bed, just so no. you know. That's Always awesome. welcome. And, and I will say that I think your exercise of the end then and the end then, I think it's important to look at that 
narrative that you've created in your head and see the full scale of it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when you're going to look at it, you're going to say, well, that's just ridiculous. Or other times Mm -hmm. you're going to go, you know what? I could bounce back from that. And I think to your point of like people who have had rough stories, um, and and I think you and I probably could, and and specifically like your, you said your father was a Holocaust survivor, right? Like you can look at those kind of stories in multiple ways. You can see it as like, well, like, you know, that's what happened to me and everything's downhill from here. Or you can be like, well, that was the worst thing that could ever happened to me. And it's all uphill from here. Right. Yeah. Uh, or, or however you think of uphill and downhill, but it gets yeah. better is my point. That's glass half yeah. empty, glass half full. Yeah, thing, yeah. Right? So yeah. The point is though, is that like you get to choose how you relate to that story. Is that, mm-hmm. is that, you know, your origin story that allowed you to do great things or was that where you peaked and now nothing, nothing's going to get better. So I just, I love this model. I think that it's such a good model. And uh, this is now the second podcast, I think in a row where I've had someone whose model is actually fairly aligned with the model that I have in my book. That's going to be coming out in January called the lovable. Leader. So the three elements of lovable leadership are uh, trust, care, and safe travels. So you have to build trust with your team. If you want to have a successful team and be a great leader, you need to care about everyone on your team. You have to care about your work. You have to care about your people. And then safe travels is about setting a destination and making sure we all get there together safely. Mm-hmm. And you've got trust, intention, and self-belief. And a lot of those things are, especially like the, the truth and the trust, obviously very, very tightly linked. And then when mm-hmm. you've got intention, that's part of safe travels. Like you have to set a, a, an intention in the future and believe that we can get there. And the self-belief is, you know, partly in yourself and then also in your team. So I love that so many of these models are kind of like overlapping, uh, but your consent. Well, because because it's awesome. like, it's like the non-asshole way of thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean, like it's, it is, it's, it's so sensible. It really is. It's like, um, I have you ever, I don't know if you've read any of Teresa Mabelay's work um, from the no. Harvard Business School. She wrote a book called The um, the Progress Principle, I think it's called. And she did this huge study on what makes people happy at work. That was pretty much the question they were trying to ask. Yep. What, what is it? And they, they, um, they studied different industries, different professions, different levels, different ages, different experience, blah, blah, blah. And what it all got reduced to, which was not a real shocker to me, I got to say, was that human beings need to experience a sense of progress at work. And everybody defines progress differently. And you have to respect what their vision of progress is. And you have to make sure that you're not standing in the way of their ability to experience progress, right? And, and it's, again, it's part of that, you know, if you allow people to be the badasses they were born to be, and I say allow, although I don't like that word because it implies permission. And I don't think anybody can give you permission to have swagger. I think you give yourself permission to have swagger. But it, it, if, if the environment is uh, is compassionate and the environment is accepting, then you can give yourself permission to be the badass you were born to be and reach your full potential. And that's fucking good for everyone. That is good for business, you know? And so yeah. when I, you know, the, the, the swagger as a, as a business idea is so like delightful for me because all of the, the stories that come from it, there's like countless stories in the book and every single one comes from the corporate world. Every single one. It comes from people that I worked with across all industries and what their journeys were and how they overcame things, small and large and all the rest of it. And every single one says at the end, my life is better now that I have found and unleashed my swagger. Every single one, because you can't, you know, and then you can't, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yep. 
and, and people respond beautifully to it. They respond beautifully to it. They go, whoa, okay, bring it, let's go. You get promoted, you get, because you, you're, all of your power is there and your power is there for good and not for evil. That's the beautiful thing. Yeah, I wonder if we asked people at work, you know, like the, the general population, if you could change things at work or keep them exactly as they are, which would you do? I bet universally people would have something that they would want to change. And I bet a lot oh, of yeah. the changes would come down to how they feel at work. And a lot of that is about the environment. It's about the leadership. So yeah, and their I, ability to communicate with other people, their, oh, their ability yeah. to, to be heard and to be seen at yeah. work, I think yeah. is key. So critical. Well, I love the work you're doing. I think it's so freaking cool. Uh, I'm so glad that I got to have you on the podcast. I think that you are like such an amazingly perfect guest and you can come back anytime you want. Like if you're like, Hey, it's like a Tuesday and I'm bored. Do you want to jump on a podcast? Oh, be careful. Be careful because it'll, like, it'll become like the, the Leslie Jeff show. We could, we could talk no, I'm totally for cool. days, for days. Yeah, I'm totally, well, uh, Jeffrey Shaw was telling me all about you long before we were uh, actually having chats. And I was super jealous the way he was describing uh, the relationship that you two have. So I am oh. perfectly fine opening Pandora's box on that. So you're invited back any single time you want. Yay. Um, so at this point in the show, I want to give you a chance to tell people where they can go and be social with you, connect with you, follow you, buy your stuff, hire you, uh, put you on a stage to inspire the hell out of other people. Like anything you want, the show is yours at this point. Well, I would like to invite people to do all of those things because a girl's got to eat, you know? Heck yeah. All that. All that. Um, so you can find me in all, I'm, I am on all the socials. So uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm at Leslie M Speaks, Twitter at Leslie M, LinkedIn at Leslie M, Facebook at Leslie M Speaks. You can find me on Clubhouse actually every Monday at 4 p.m. EST, we've got a swagger collective room and we talk about some aspect of swagger. We get people up to share. We have so much fun with it. So please come and hang out with us there. If you want to learn more about the book, you can go to swaggerthebook.com or lesliem.com. Lesliem.com, you'll find out about my coaching and my speaking and my whole jam. And swaggerthebook.com will tell you more about, uh, about all aspects of the book. And if you're curious as to what's on that page, you can join the Swagger Collective on my website and you're going to get the first chapter right away. And you're also going to get a proof of Swagger assessment. So you can figure out where your Swagger is sitting right now and you'll get yourself a score and see where, what, you know, at what place of evolution is your swagger? And so you'll have a better sense of where you need to do the work. I'm super, I'm going to go do that. Cause I bet I'm going to get 10 out of 10. I have so much. Oh, swagger. you're going like, to, you're going to get a hundred like, out of a hundred. Uh, totally. Yeah. Super oh, totally. Swaggerific. Awesome. <laughs> well, um, that's awesome. I'll put every single bit of that in the show notes. So people can just quickly, if you're on a podcast app, just swipe to the right or left, wherever it is, you can click right on those links, connect with Leslie, see everything that she's doing, uh, as you can. And May 10th and May 10th, yeah, baby, May 10th, which, the world is going yeah. to have swagger unleashed soon. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Well, uh, Thank you so much for coming on. You're fucking awesome. Like oh, you're fucking awesome. Awesome. And uh and yeah, great guest. You're you're my soul sister and um this episode was definitely shareable. <laughs>